Good evening, and welcome to the Laugh and Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Michael DeBar. How are you? I'm incredible. You are incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you, so, you, you, so is your audience. We're all incredible. We if are we incredible. Want you have played and been with so many different fantastic people in your life. We're going to delve into a lot of it today. You've done from Jimmy Page. To, I, I actually didn't. You, you actually worked with Alf before. I think you've worked with every all the greats. <laughs> Alf was the worst. He was Jesus. such a wicked man. He had a huge trailer outside. <laughs> My trailer was half the size of ours. We had a little bit of a scuffle actually over one of the extras. It was funny. a beautiful girl, and, and he ended up with and and we missed him. You know, he's a star though. His show. Yeah, Alf. He wanted. He was very. He wanted to go into movies, but he felt that there wasn't any leading ladies that would really fit. You know what's funny is, first off, probably five people and you and me know who Alf is. No. <laughs> are you kidding i've done no, 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 I'm joking. But, but the I think, hours of, of american television i love I mean, how crazy was that show back then that was so out there well i think it's a I, there's a certain naivete to pre-pandemonium you yeah, know was, and 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 i think people wanted to get out and have fun and be silly it was a wacky know, show i was it was the era of silliness. It was also the era of sitcom, great mm-hmm. sitcoms. Great, great, and I did right. Seinfeld. I did all of those shows. You did. You did a lot of them. From there yeah. to Miami Vice, you did everything. So you're not aware, I mean, <clears throat> as much of a musician, you're an actor, and then you did your radio show. But the main reason we're here today, we're talking about you have a new release an, uh, of an older album. Yeah. That everyone should be aware of. And, and it was, you're talking about, you have a theory of why I wasn't even so aware of this. I, the new, uh, is uh, the album for, for your band, Detective. And that was your second band, right? After Silverhead, right? It was the second band after Silverhead. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic. And you know, you end up the label with Jimmy Page's label, and which right there is just street cred beyond anything, you know. Yeah, you know I remember it? at the time. You know, it was a very dark and spectacularly narcotic era. Um, and I use my words advisedly, you know, it wasn't that spectacular. I had to get sober to, you know, to, you know <laughs> of all of that. But um, it was an amazing time. Silverhead, uh, we knew Zeppelin. Uh, you know, I knew Jimmy uh, pretty well from London nightlife. And um, we got along really good. And Silverhead, he liked, you know, and Zeppelin came to see Silverhead in Birmingham, where Bonzo had a farm. So we did this club. There was about 30 people in the club and four of them were Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, so, so of course, after the gig, we go back, you know, for what was going to be like a tour. It was three days before we hit the road again. Really? And, and those three days, I, there's your movie. You know, I mean, it, because it was such a mesh of interesting vibes because he's very literary, Jim. He's really smart and, and, and has his old documents. It's not all Crowley, you know. No, I actually, I, I, I've heard that before. I think he, I, he, he could be like a schoolmaster himself. He could have been like, if not music, he could have oh, been. Oh, he is. He is. And even now, he's a historian, as I am, in terms of yeah. rock and roll music, blues music, soul music. And that enables people to understand what you're trying to get at with me, with my radio show, it's been amazing because you're extolling the virtues of another artist. You're not extolling mm-hmm. the virtues of you, you know, and that can get, and that is the problem with it all. That's why people, they believe because they're in this little bubble and they're gods, you know, and they're not, and nobody is, and, no. and yet we all are. And so when you, <laughs> you know, you, when you realize that, that, that you're not deified, uh, you, you tend to either OD or get sober, you know, and, and Jimmy got sober, literally. But the thing was, it was an amazing time for big music. And I wanted to make an album that was really big, not bluesy, silverhead, 1972 faces, stones, blues, slim harpo, all of that. I wanted bah, boom, boom, bah, boom, boom, bah. That drove me wild. The drums and production on the drums on the the album. It feels like Bonham. It's Andy Johns. It's Glenn Johns' brother. You remember Glenn Johns, obviously. Oh, Oh, yes. celebrated in Get Back, you know, the Peter Jackson brilliant documentary on the Beatles. But, was but, that the best? It, it was absolutely, I, we've watched it a, a ton of times. We I could talk about week. it for days. I, I was so happy. It didn't make you happy about the Beatles. Like to me, I mean, it's over you. Like I get so excited, like to see the happiness of the Beatles towards the end. Like it felt like it was, all the books and everything you've read about them. 
the acrimony or whatever, but to see the happiness that the the how much they loved each other, Sean. How much they loved each. I know other. that, but like you know, you always felt it was more prickly after because everything's in hindsight. Because I wasn't there, a lot of us weren't there. But to be in that room with them and see the the playfulness, how they light up that that a little shot of that magic, even though Yoko and and, and Paul and the guy were joking and had a bust on each other, that's just magic, man. And then the fact they have that footage is just. Well, Peter Jackson, his classic quote about it when he went there to do the uh, AI vibe, you know, that he was mm-hmm. going to do an immersive sort of Beatle thing. And then he realized when he when he saw those tapes that they were they loved each other. And yeah. we and were left with the contemptuousness that Michael Lindsay Hogg edited and mm-hmm. we saw. But the love between them is, you know, is, is perfect. All you need is love, baby, and a Beatle, you know. But it made me feel so much better as a lifelong Beatle fan. And I've read a billion books and, you know, like everyone else. And I tell you, reading that, I, that was just put a whole new perspective again. I was like, I actually felt happy for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an all. amazing vibe. It really is an amazing vibe, and I love the I love the movie. And Andy jo- Glenn Johns was in it. And Andy, the yep, younger brother, is, did yep. our album and got the drum sound. Both of Although the drummer really was very clever at that too. You know, we were so intense about that album. It was not like ha joyous Jack Daniels. You know, I mean, it was Jack Daniels. It's a good <laughs> rock. Both both albums. So we're talking about the Man Detective. So people are yeah, it's being re released and re remixed, and and it's. It's phenomenal. You got to yeah. you can listen to it in your car and on your small speakers. But what you got to do is you got to put your headphones on, the best headphones. You really got to listen to it, yeah, fully. You know, and immersive yeah. because yeah. it brings you back to the days that we're talking about faces and Zeppelin. The production is right up there. The songs, your voice is spot on. Like it's almost a different voice that I've heard you do. It's it's so different. You mm. know, it's like you love seventies music, but you get a, you're a fresh band from the seventies that you hadn't really heard a lot, got any exposure. You know? Yeah, I just felt that I did. I wanted to get the rasp out, get the raspy Stevie Marriott, Terry Reed, mm-hmm. Rod, you know, and Rod, of course. But I and I and the songs I would close my eyes. I've never closed my eyes to sing, but it was an amazing thing that took me over. Really, I, I felt operatic. Really, I felt I could have come out of that album and done Figaro or something. You know, like it was. It was really an amazing magic feeling because. That music is just so intense, and some of it is fun. You know, help me right, out. But it, it's a good, it's a good rock. But it's just good rock. It's good, honest rock. Tough. You know, it's tough. Yeah, and, and the guitars are great. Everyone's great. The bass, everyone is just spot on. It sounds like a seasoned band for years. It felt like you guys were a band for ten years before you recorded. Thank you. you know, very it's much. a crime that you guys only did like two albums. You know, well, you know, the crime I know there's was the time, right? Yeah, you know, it was time for a crime, and we were all criminals and arrested and thrown away. Well, you know, like Zeppelin got a couple albums out, or or that 10 minute, or the, the you know, the Beatles are 10 minutes really, they're 10, they're 10 years, they got a lot out. Like in that time period, no, while it's good, you gotta get a lot of it out, you know, like GNR got a months. bunch of albums out, rap period, you know, you just gotta. Every three months, you're going to get a record and singles and all of that. But we, we didn't get that opportunity because Swan Song was a situation that was very, very complex in that none of the bands on that label, except Bad Company, who had management, um, mm-hmm. got, you know, made it, uh, their, their point heard and sung and felt. It wasn't that case. And all of those guys, Pretty Things, Stone the Crows, all of those people didn't get, make him. Even Dave Edmonds. But Bad Company did, A, because Paul Rogers is God, and B, because... He's good. He um, is good. You know, yeah, I just love him. But oh, the whole band, I mean, great songs, clean, simple, rocking, mm-hmm. you know, car, top down, you know, all of that on the freeway. But we were a little more sinister than that. And Gene loved it, and Gene and Paul, and they put us on, you know, two or three tours, and that was oh, really yeah, yes. Yeah, but I mean, walking out to 20,000 people with Gene and Paul makeup wasn't exactly exciting. There's no detective makeup there, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, it was tough. What did you guys look like? Because in the first album, you have the, the image. And I always wondered about that. I read, like, Detective, the, the, the name didn't jump out to me as, as a 70s rock band. And then I saw the, the picture on the album cover, the second one, you guys were more dressed at times. It almost looked like you're like a knack like a type of My Sharona, like, you know what I'm saying? Oh God! We, we, um, I do. You know understand. exactly what I'm saying. You got, got the suits on. It doesn't feel like you're like a, like like the faces in Zeppelin. You guys are very clean cut looking, though. Well, we, yes, suits and ties because everybody's in 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 skin tight flared something, which is a great title. Um, I... <laughs> That's your next book. <laughs> but uh, you know, we 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 felt studious. 
you know, it's very interesting that you would bring that up because the science of rock and roll is really ex exciting, you know, and interesting how you achieve those sounds and those songs, you know, it's not, you're not rattling them off. They're not 12 bar songs. You know? No, they're not at all. You're not blues based. Um, no, but there's a lot of breathing. There's a lot of breathing in your songs that really yeah, make the song. Yeah, a lot of space. Let's yes. say a lot of air where you can feel something, you know, feel it. You're not bombarded with it. You, mm -hmm. you know? But we wanted to express a certain sort of, you know, simplicity. And uh, our lives were anything but simple because of the drugs and, and all of that. And the whole mythology behind Swan Song and behind Led Zeppelin and all of that, that was a burden in many ways. When one was compared to them, you know, it's Bonzo on drums. I absolutely, no, it isn't, you know. And all of those things, Jimmy do was playing that solo. And once you get that for a while, you really want to walk away. And we did, you know, we walked away from it for many reasons. And, and one of them was being assaulted by people that thought we sounded like Zeppelin. B, that it was Zeppelin amazing <laughs> and, and you know and it's just got to be a bore and anyway I was so strung out or you know right. at, at the end of that as everybody was in that camp music was good I was gonna say you guys sound like Greta Van Fleet but I, I, I was wrong probably more like Zeppelin Lord have mercy you know there's a, there's many tribute bands I know I know Actually, they sound good, but it's the fact that he said they'd never heard of Zeppelin. I think in an interview when he said, I'd never heard of Zeppelin or something. I was like, all right, you know come what on, Robert said, Robert is, you know, because when he was asked the singer, listen, I, you know, I'm not down in anybody. You want to plug in and play, oh, no. fucking do it. Great. And, uh, and he said, no, I, I really loved Steve Tyler. And Robert goes, excuse me? You know, I mean, you know, woo! this kid's doing you know and there's percy plant i know you know it's ridiculous but it's all okay i don't care no, but it was just, i didn't know it was funny because actually i'm like all right it's cool it's good yeah, yeah, it's here. then i heard that i was like come on you you know there's no way that's like shooting buckshot at a barn or something you got hit we all got hit with zeppelin you did not not hear zeppelin and have your parents playing aor radio in your house you just could yeah exactly and greta van fleet a terrific band and god bless them and well, i hope they're they're tight, but her. they did hear zeppelin it's, uh yes <laughs> and everybody did Beatles. Yeah. You right. know, I mean, or the Stones. I mean, I on the radio every day getting demos from people. I would say 80% of the stuff that I get is derivative of, of uh, the iconic artists. They're just called, you know, the bloody ashtrays. Well, the three of those guys wrote every song. I mean, the three of those bands wrote every other rock huh? song out there. All three of those bands together pretty much wrote every song out there that we've heard now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Written, yeah. You know I mean? All less. the songs are even written by those guys. But this is a bad sign for rock and roll. That's why I, I really, really, you know, pray and on the, get on that mic and say guitar, bass, drum, singer is coming with a tambourine. And that's, I really do believe that that will happen. I, I think it has to happen when music is below the belt, you know, and not in your head. Well, and get out so, of your head. I, you know, and here's what we talk about, uh, break our fourth wall here. With social media, there's so much of it to, to digest. With social media, I think that the problem is you get your kids, I feel like, I'm, I'm, get off my lawn, that they're at home and they can get, 48,000 views on their bed playing guitar and they're better guitar players than I'll ever be, but they can't go to a club and rock it out and fill a club and be energized. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 that little media world right now of celebrity, of, of celebrity Instagram stars does not translate. Well, let's gonna, not bore each other with that, Sean. No, but I'm saying it's going to crush. It's going to crush. Yeah. It's, real it's, musicians have to come back out and play. That's not going to hold. That's not going to hold. Yeah. Billy Eilish will stay and people that are talented, you know, but yeah, a performer. It's a technological world and, uh, and TikTok sucks, you know, and God bless everybody. And I just want to hear somebody that's new and fresh and believes in themselves and is mm. not copying anyone else. It's a good thing. Let's talk about a couple of the songs on this. I mean, the influences that you had, I mean, but the sounds like, I'm going to tell you, I don't know how Nightingale escaped and it was not huge. How, how, how they didn't jump on that and push that so hard. That is a beautiful song. It is just an, an operatic. Yeah. Well, we were very, we wanted to be sort of Wagner, but with tight trousers. <laughs> no judgment. And I think we accomplished this, Sean. It, it was, I'm saying, honestly, and I heard, I was like, wow, I was listening to Jamming Out, and I heard, I was like, whoa. I had a pullover from it. It was really, I was like, whoa. Oh, that's great. I'll I tell so, and I have it so loud in my car and my speakers are cranked. I'm like, whoa. You know? That's wonderful. God, that, I love to hear that. People love that song. 
they really do and it, it does have a special magic to it because it's it's heavy music but it's about a light subject it, 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 but you know this is not a, a blah, growling iron maiden you know this is beautiful it's almost like a tattoo it sounds like a tattoo to me that song you know what i mean yeah, it's it really it's beautiful. I'm the kind of guy I believe that music is like food for the soul. So for me, I can really love to dive into a song and an album. I like full albums. The 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 way the album and I'll say this, I always say this, the 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 lineup of the songs. I have the the, the song titles, so I forget the titles of them, but the lineup of them, how the order your album goes in means a lot to me. Yeah, me too. Me. I, I don't exactly like listen to a couple songs on, on an album because that's why iTunes and this the streaming sites make me crazy because you can't off to delete and build my own list because I don't like that or off to rearrange it. I'm a vinyl guy if I can help it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and Grim Reaper has has a particular vibe to it. Yeah. You know, and and that New York radio station played that riff, you know, for years. And um we all did very well out of that one. But but it's a, it's an amazing record. I I do love it. I'm, I'm I didn't look at it for years. I didn't listen to it, didn't think about it until we got that call. I got that call, you know. And Jimmy said, It's yours, take it, you know. And I thought, oh and then Scarlet got hold of it, Scarlet Bartlett, who's just been amazing, and um org records, and it'll be out on record store day. <laughs> you know? Are you gonna um do like some like um singles for it, like um video song singles or like words? I mean I, I don't think there'll be any videos. Um, I, I would imagine that they would probably put out singles. I, I don't know. I'm not really um, immersed in that. I, I really am happy that it's coming out and the right people will listen to it, you know, and um, that's all I care about. In terms of the, the strategy of, you know, reaching the public, I don't know. It's, uh, that's not my part in this particular theater. If I was your guy back in the day, I would have done Recognition and then Grim Reaper and then Nightingale. And well, Recognition is insanely cool. It's heavy and metal. That is like a pop rock. I can almost hear Crosby's and Nash in it a little bit. I, oh, that's great. I, you know, I, yeah, you know, I love that. High, I, there's a falsetto harmony on there. Yeah. That, that, uh, really but it also has a little song. bit of grit in it, just enough a little bit of grit in it. So that to me would have been a good crossover song because when you, you always want to have your good first song come out, you know. That it's also entirely... symbolic because the hook is recognition is what yeah. I want, is what I want is the key, you know. But it fits it right has... now today. It holds over now. Yeah. Yeah. I think any good music, I mean, Wagner, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But the lyrics he lives just down the street, which is interesting. He's a oh, lovely yeah? bloke. German guy. Lovely. His garden is beautiful. <laughs> a lot of artists have good, good gardens. Yeah, I got a good garden. I'm looking at it right now. I've, I've seen some of your, your pictures on uh, on Instagram a while back there. Yeah, people. yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful house, beautiful garden. I got, I got lucky. I don't know how. Balls, actually. I just decided to do it, and I do it, and I don't think about it. I just get it done. Well, you know, the motto is if you think you stink, you just got to, right? <laughs> I never heard that. That's my motto. Yeah, you think you stink. You should have a t-shirt company, sure. You <laughs> There's enough fun. people with those, those shirts out there already. God. They did, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, No, I'm saying just in general, with all kinds of crazy stuff. I just try to keep my, my, my little show going. Now I'm thinking about all these songs now. Oh, gosh. It's and my you know, wife, my young, beautiful wife. She adores yeah. it, too. That's interesting because she wasn't even born when it when came out. But it's so good. So what were you thinking? So you're saying because of getting mixed in with the Zeppelin comparisons and stuff is what held you back from? No, I don't know. Drugs held us back. I must no, say. No, no, I'm saying from me not hearing, but from a lot of people not being aware of Detective, do you think? What's that? The reason why you think a lot of people didn't hear about Detective up until. Because it wasn't a label, Sean. We were, we were a sub, sub label from uh, Atlantic. Atlantic could give a shit about us. In fact, there's somebody there, I can't remember her name, but she, you know, Spitz's book on Le on Zeppelin. Did you read it? Which one? Bob Lipset's book on Led Zeppelin. Maybe it'll, it just uh, came out. And, no, they didn't know. All no. over it. And there's no. somebody in there. The, it, Atlantic didn't do what Peter Grant thought they would do. Peter Grant and Led Zeppelin were a little magic bubble. And Atlantic were the people that, were responsible for getting us out there, getting us press, putting out singles, doing what it takes in those days yeah. to get a hit record. And they did not comply with some Swan Song's wishes, you know, because they were, it was dark and mysterious. It was like going into sort of a, some Tolkien kind of nightmare. 
and uh, and I think that that's why it didn't go because it was you know it was not commercial it wasn't uh, advertised and stuff and I think the music was so heavy and interesting and big and fat it wasn't pop it wasn't Brian Adams it wasn't you know wasn't any yeah. of that why I love acting is is because I want to get as real as I can about it with a crap screenplay like me playing Murdoch on MacGyver I really wanted to kill him <laughs> you know, in my head, when they said action, you know, I could I could turn it like a switch. I could I be, could become that person. That's why when I sang that record, I just closed my eyes and I just didn't think about, whoa, that's a good note. I'm going to do that one again, you know. Because if you do, it takes away the beauty of that one existential moment that is important, you know, and, and everything else is not important. We spent a million dollars, we spent half a million dollars because we were in the hot tub of the record plant in Hollywood. And we didn't, you know, and it was one of those bacchanalian uh, gigs. But when we got into that studio, wow, breathtaking. Yeah. You know, it's breathtaking to see your brothers playing like that, for one thing, you know, and then going in, in and singing over the top of it. It was an incredible experience, both records. So, yeah. therefore, what I'm getting at is that is the victory. Yeah, I, I agree. That. I, I, to me, I'm an observer without judgment. That's why I'm asking these questions from the outside. Absolutely. And, and seeing how, how um, despicably how, like I see, you know, radio and uh, radio, but like um, A&R people and, 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 you know, go after musicians and, and Hollywood go after actors and just eat them alive. So I'm kind of asking you from an outside how they went towards you with those things, not taking away from your art that you've created. No, I hear that's, you. That's I hear you. You are. You are a lover of music. You yeah. love the art of music. A lot of people are in the game for the love of, of exhibitionism. You know, they're not there to make great art. They're, they're there to become, you know, live in Berlin next to Beyonce. Well, what the worst thing is, is now is like, because there's no, there's no taking an album for, for a band. Like you guys would have been nurtured for a couple of times. A couple of, back in the day, you could do three or four albums. A lot of these big, huge bands. You know, Aerosmith didn't break out huge first. You know what I mean? They had to be worked. Right. You know, you really had to work. There's a few albums that came no, out. That Clive really- Davis. Where, there is no Clive Davis. No. Right. You know, they're all, you know, uh, shall we say, uh, they're not in love with it. You know, they're in love with the results. They're not in love with what, how to get a result. Right. But you, that goes back to the rock and roll band question. Like, there's, there'll be no nurturing of a band to do that, to be a rock and roll. They're going to have to really have to slug it out on their own. Because there's no time for a couple albums to become a rock band on the road. Oh, no. That, it's that songs helps. now, don't you think? I mean, it's not even albums. No. It's songs. Yeah. If you have a song, great, you'll probably get a chance to get another one. Will you make money from it? Absolutely not. You know. got to sell and, T-shirts to make money now. Well, t-shirts, you want to be a band, you got to sell T-shirts and, on tour. And, and please book some gigs, you know. Yeah. But uh, I haven't done it done any of that in a couple of years i did a couple of nights ago to uh, the troubadour in la to raise money for uh, howie pyro from degeneration yeah jesse marlin's band and uh he had a liver transplant and got no money and butch walker and jacob dylan came along and it Great was guys. an incredible night you know yeah and uh, they, they are real you know they, oh. they give reality out there those are two great really real musicians like yeah i mean i would rather listen to scott walker you know, than virtually anybody, you know, and Tim Buckley. And, you know, there's so many people, Nick Cave, and, you know, that are really into the, the expression, the expressing of how they feel as artists. And it's, it ain't easy, baby. You know, it ain't easy. It's helpful if you like one artist and you have to see what that person listened to, that person, the artist you liked, yeah. and go back three more people and you'll yeah. find the source. Like, that's how I've discovered so many, you know, in my life, you know. Oh, I like Van Halen and Van Halen. Oh, you like Alan Hallsworth and then they see Jeff Beck. And then you're, you, you know what I mean? You're neck deep in a big pile. But you're going to end up in, in muddy waters. Ah, well played. Because that's where it goes. It all does go back there. Of course. You know, gonna, but that's the whole point. It all goes back somewhere. And different people not to realize that is, is insane. You know, a little Richard probably is the guy. As guitar players go, I don't know how you think about this, but it's interesting. Link Ray who is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for me, was the guy. That first charmed, unbelievable, powerful, bluesy, big, fat rock and roll, which is what I love more than anything. 
we just wanted to make detective more direct and more clinical um, and not so bluesy because it's all about three, you know, I always say rock and roll is three chords, you know, and uh, good night, you know, but it's, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's much deeper. You can go much, much deeper. And we did go deep with that record. Yeah. I'm looking to actually, have you done so many songs since then? Like when you play live, do you put those in your set too? No. Only those guys could play it. And anyway, you know, Sean, you speak to a lot of people and clearly you're a great journalist and interviewer. For me, if you're in a band and that band created that song, you can't reinterpret it. What is this, Broadway? Okay. You know, I'm trying to do a new project with different people and try and create... I just thought if you're playing out and you say, you know what, I'm doing a set, this is a song, Nightingale. It's a beautiful song. I'm just going to play an acoustic and just... Because I enjoy it. You don't have to justify anything. Yeah. To, you don't have to I've never it. done that because the other guys have to leave the stage. So, uh, you know, whatever project I'm doing, I want to do that project and bring another one in. I mean, I'll do, you know, Hello New York or something simple. Or if, if we were in Japan, I, I would do Silverhead songs. Or if I did in Germany, I'll do a detective song. And we do Help Me Up or Ain't None of Your Business or something that they could, they could understand, you know, and, and, and vibe with. But great great riffs too. Great riffs in those. Oh, shocking, man! You know, I mean, and riffs were everything. You know, it's just making them orchestral is the key. You know, I hear you. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. I, like, I, when, if an artist wants to make cover their work or not cover it to be original, like I'm not the kind of person I don't judge. Or like every everybody does what they want. You know, it's whoever you feel as an artist. It's your song. You want to redo it? You want to do your own version of it again? Awesome. You don't want to? Awesome. <laughs> it's I do obsession good. every now and then which was a big hit for me and Holly Knight. And um, I'll do that, but I'll, you know, crank it up and make it rock and roll. And they, they all get excited and I'll do get it on because get it on was live aid and all of that. And, uh, and, and they want to hear it, you know, but in terms of Nightingale, most of them weren't born when that Nightingale flew. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying it's beautiful. And I would, I wouldn't um, <laughs> look, look down. If you play that live, that'd be a great song to hear you hear you do live, but. It's yeah. beautiful. Well, maybe I will. Maybe compliment. I will. It's just a compliment. That's all. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah. can we do, actually let's share your 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 story to get the power station in Live Aid? I love that. If I want some new fans to hear this and and, and take a hold of that. Well, me and Jonesy and Clem Burke, Steve Jones of the Pistols, Clem Burke of Blondie, and uh, Tony Sales of Tin Machine with Bowie, and Nigel Harrison from yeah. Silverhead and Blondie. So we're opening for Duran Duran and Checkered Past. We have a band called Checkered Past on EMI, every mistake imaginable records. So we, <laughs> we get out on the road and uh, we, we open for Duran, and it was really fun because the, you know, the place goes nuts. It, I would just, we'd do a song and people go, oh, that's, that's great, that's great. And then it'd go, John Taylor. They go, ah! You know, and between every song, I would mention a member of the band and yeah. they'd go crazy. So in the dressing rooms, when they're in the dressing rooms, they're thinking that we're going down like the Beatles, you know. But anyway, <laughs> so then a few months go by and Don Johnson's a friend of mine. Everybody knows, you know, there, there he is, a friend of mine. And we go, he goes to, uh, I think I think we were wherever we were, some down south somewhere. I can't remember where, but I went to see him on location. He was doing a movie and... I was traced down by Wayne Forte, the New York promoter, and I get a call. And Obsession is like number one all over the world. I'm feeling really good. Check it past, absolutely destroyed itself because of drugs and madness. I was four years sober by then. Get the call. Michael, uh, there's a band. The band need a singer, desperately. They're going on a six-month tour, and they don't have a singer. And I go, who's the band? They go, I can't tell you. I said, oh, that's really good. Well, in that case, I'm going to go first class from here to New York City. I want a white limousine to take me into Manhattan. He says, done. I do, I do exactly that. I go into Manhattan. I go into the building. I go up 14 floors. I walk into the office. And it's a very nervous John Taylor and Tony Thompson, God rest his soul, sweating. And, and Wayne, the promoter. And he goes, well, you know, uh, what do you think about doing this? You know, you're so good in it and check a person. We love your voice and everything. Well, what do you think? I go, you know, I, I mean, in my head, I'm buzzing. They're number one, that record. Yeah. So they say, let's go to the power station and, and maybe, you, you know, we can give you some, um, the, uh, the album without the voice on it. And you have to fly to London to meet with Andy Taylor. 
because he was he was really the uh, you know the master yeah. of ceremonies as it were so they put me on a, a plane i'm on the plane i'm listening to the songs i got the words i'm listening to the songs i'm listening to the songs i fly to london i go to the dorchester beautiful hotel i go from there right away no sleep you know get it on bang a gun i can't help but sound like robert palmer you know the way he's saying tight and sort of the, you know yeah, yeah. You know, like mom and gay kind of down here. And I'm up here, you know. So, so I go to the studio. I sit in the studio, recording studio for hours. The doors open suddenly, billowing marijuana smoke. And out of the smoke comes Andy Taylor. And he goes, whoa, come on, then let's do it. And he presses the button. While he was wait, you know, smoking his pot, I was rehearsing Get It On and, and Murderous, which is one of the tunes. So he sits down, he hits the button, and I sing, you know, well, you're dirty and sweet, clad in black, don't look back, and I love you. Let's go shopping. Andy Taylor says, literally one verse. I've flown thousands of miles and been up for days. And he goes, one verse. And he goes, yeah, let's, come on. And we go shopping. Fly back to New York, get booked into the beautiful hotel, Don Johnson's in town. Don Johnson and I go to, um, you know, all very excited. As we're leaving the hotel, and this is absolutely true, the phone rings, it's Danny Goldberg, my manager, brilliant man. He says, you're out. I go, what? He says, you're out. It's Robert Palmer's back in, he wants to do the tour. Does that mean I have to give all the clothes I bought back there? You know, do I get them? Do I get to keep them? You know, <laughs> we go to dinner and I'm really bummed. I'm oh, really yeah. So me and Don were eating the Chinese food and he's going, all right, Mikey, it will be okay, don't worry about it. And, he, and I look over and I see John Taylor in the restaurant. This is all true, a little drunk. And Don goes, looks at me, you know, he's this beautiful face and this brilliant mind he has. He looks at me and he goes, hang on a second. He goes over there, he says, can I have a word with you? They go outside, they, they talk to each other. He comes back to the table and says nothing. I go back to the hotel, the Carlisle Hotel in New York. I go back to the hotel at 7 a.m. in the morning. Danny Goldberg calls me and says, you're in. You're back in. I go, what? He says, yeah. He says, why? How come? How did that happen? He said, they made a deal with the merchandise. And well, it's fine. And were well, you going to do the thing? And three days later, I'm in front of two billion people. That is amazing. You know, I want to step back on one part of the story because I've heard it. I thank you for sharing it with people that haven't heard it. It's such an amazing story. And after this, uh, don't watch this. People watch the live aid thing, knowing what you know about the story and having to go on stage and sing with a brand new band like that and perform. That's huge. That's insane. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever done that. So, but before we go there, the fact that you only heard, he, uh, Andy only heard a, a, um, a, short, a short line. It feels like it's insane. It feels crazy. But if you look back in hindsight, the, the work and the production that Andy's done, he knows what he knows when he hears it. It wasn't just a fluke. He knew. Andy Taylor is, the, I think, probably the most um, innovative, interesting guy. Right. You know, and he really can tell you A flat, D sharp. Yeah. You know, he really knows his music. And what he's looking for and what anybody is looking for is feeling. How, how you feel. Do you believe that singer, you know? Do you believe that guitar player? Is he showing off? Is it exhibitionism or is it beauty? Is it art? And he really is that guy. And he believed in me. And I think his belief in me made me able to deal with such an extraordinary thing. But when you're an actor, you know, you, you, you really have to get rid of all your fear. You know, it's not going to serve you well. And you must have confidence in your own abilities, you know. And, and people would say, and critics, schmuck critics would say, you know, oh, Robert Palmer's shoes are really big. I said, I brought my own fucking shoes. And, uh, and, and I did, you know, got up there. And, and, you know, the other thing is, I got up on stage and Andy's amp blew up. And Bill Graham, not the most charming man in the world, went insane. So there's all this going on. And if you look at the footage before we actually start to play, I'm laughing my ass off. A, I couldn't believe that I've just been chatting Madonna up 
and and listen, you know, to Bob Dylan, uh, you know, light a cigarette. I mean, yeah. all of the images are so amazing. You know, you can imagine what backstage was like. It was like Fellini. I, 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 I can't because even now you can't look back and think about all those artists and that thing ever happening again. Like that is just so amazing that all those worlds collided. It was Keith, Dylan, you know, Ronnie Wood, Madonna, every, everybody was there. Mick Jagger, Tina Turner. And, and, and everybody yeah, sounded different. Everybody sounded different. And me, who was in Detective, you know. I mean, so, but I felt fantastic. I felt so good. And I was, I was determined just to enjoy myself and sing those songs as best I could and leap around. And it, it is. Fun. It's amazing you did that, though. I mean, you really, you, you owned it. And, but I, I thought about, like, as a singer, to, it's a big stage. And you had to run around and catch your breath. And it's a new band. So that's another challenge. That's a huge, because you have to entertain. And you know that you're an actor. So you know it's more than just singing in one spot. Yeah. That's an Olympic event, that stage. Well, you see that you've hit it on the head, which is very smart of you, because Robert, Robert Palmer, I'll do an impersonation of his physicality. OK, you, are you watching? Yep. This is what this is the only thing Robert do. That's it. That's his stage show. Now, doing that, the, you know, JFK Stadium is not going to play. So I'm up and down everywhere, you know, and he didn't want he didn't want he's such a talented bloke. I knew him 10 years before all of this and had the deepest respect with Vinegar Joe. You might not be aware, but he had this this um, incredible Icantina R&B Marvin Gaye, Tammy Terrell kind of band called Vinegar Joe. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you should look it up. You'd like it. It's very, very R&B. And that's what he was. He was a laid back guy. In a suit. <laughs> You're right. He joined Detective Summer, I don't know. And, uh, and he was amazing, and I love him, and uh, God, God rest his soul. And, uh, but he did not want to play in front of, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80,000 screaming girls. I did. What a shock. You owned it. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. And then once I'd been on telly, then we went to New Orleans, and they were all... They all, it all, and there I am. And they expected me to be out there because they'd just seen it. So yeah. it was, it's it not was placating you with like by saying, because I'm talking to you, I'm saying I, it's really on a musical standpoint to watch somebody who had no background with this band go out and perform against that many people on that big of a physical stage. That's like you have to train vocally and have the energy and not run out of breath. I mean, there's a lot of singers nowadays are still running across the stage in a stadium out of breath and singing every third note. Yeah. No, so that was that's a challenge. That's another achievement that I don't think a lot of people caught. It's like, oh, you sing the song. No, but you were actually singing the song and still yeah. moving. I think the the discipline of uh, what I was doing at the time was exercise, which I've done all my life. Even when I was on, you know, narcotics, I would still go to the gym. You know, uh, I would drop Counting a couple of weights every now and then. Yeah, yeah, but but I always stayed fit and I always ate right. You know, and I stay at one forty pounds. You know, and that's it. And uh, I, I'm very, very, uh, you know, what's the word, narcissistic, perhaps, about that. And I, I just want to be in shape. You know what it is? And all you guys out there listening to this is be ready. Just be ready. Be ready. Just because you don't have a job or it's not happening for you right now, it will. If you want it and you're kind and you're courageous and you're, you have compassion in you for other people, you, you, get, you will be loved and you will love yourself and you'll go out there and kick ass. And it sounds like some simplistic, you know, kids kindergarten poem. It is also true. True. And, and in rock and roll, you, the model you're doing then being clean and being in shape back in the you know, mid 80s is the model nowadays. And when I talk to newer, younger musicians, they work, they work in a billion, even, you know, out in this, out in, um, in LA or this trip, they're working a million different bands. Nobody's getting messed up. They'll have a beer because, but no one's being, no one's partying down. They're, they're honest. They have reliables. They, they're friends. They do, they plan to do those albums. It's a real work ethic now. Well, I think it's industry. living out at what you think is what you should do, which is get fucked up. You know, they, you think you should do that. It's part of the gig, you know. And and unfortunately, most of them, you know, obviously succumb to that and then end right. up in AA working with, uh, you know, uh, animals, you know, to rescue animals. Uh, but <laughs> as opposed to playing, you know, uh, Live Aid. I mean, the other thing about Live Aid that you might find amusing is guess where everybody stayed? The same hotel that night. Can you imagine i was on a couch with dylan keith mick don johnson ronnie wood on a couch 
in the hotel. And they've all got shades on, but they're all like, like, like this, out of their heads like this. Yeah. You were it totally sober then, so you got to remember the whole thing now. Huh? If you were totally sober at that point. Yes. So uh, you remember so the whole thing. What, what a gift. I just laughed my ass off, dude. I was in the company of, uh, I, was, I, was, I was in some Greek Olympian place. You know, this was an iconic moment with these people who, who did have the most unbelievable vibe. I mean, Dylan especially has this thing that is so, it's like a halo, but like a little crooked, you know. And and can't understand a word he's saying, and you don't have to. He's Keith Richards, so who cares what he says? He's Keith fucking Richard. Why? Where's Mick? Oh, I don't know. I'm right here. You know. I mean, it was just uh, a five uh, guitar string pirate. He is. He is it was hilarious. Oh well, yeah, he's a pirate. He's a very very wealthy pirate. Yeah. He is, but he's an anomaly. And, and I think what's really great in the, yes. the double, the double, the double gift is to this is you were sober. So you have a memory of it and there was no phones and pictures. So you have such a gift in your memory of, of sobriety and being the only one to remember that moments that you did with Claire. Oh yeah. It, it's just wonderful. Isn't life made up of wonderful memories and bad memories and memories you learn from and memories that you adore. That's what I want to be awake and around and, in the moment and 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 i get it on man <laughs> you, do, you, you do. know i mean there's no other way of doing it and and say what you want to say and say what you feel don't try and tread on your own belief system you know or deny it or negate it you know it's it's um it's that's that's illness you you keel over and and one of the goals of this show and just with, with all people is to listen to everything. I try bringing every artist in here, every type of piece, be open. There's no such thing as guilty music. It's just music. Whatever you love. If you want to hear Ace of Base or Zeppelin or whoever you want, no judgment, whoever these, whatever you like. It's not, I'm not mine. You know what I mean? Right. Enjoy it. It's what you like. You like the real thing, clearly. Look at all those guitars. I do. Yes. I do have my own opinions on music, but I love anybody. Listen to any music you want as somebody. I won't judge it. No, I do have my own strong opinions myself. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. I mean, just enjoy every second, you know. It's a, And also, you know, one day you're in one frame of mind. So the same applies to a band. You're in a band at this time, and it changes what you want to do with yourself, how what you want to play. And you adapt, or at least I do. I see myself more as an actor, really, acting it out, um, in different ways, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm in a wonderful play, but it's a different play every time, you know, and I've been in 105 bands, dude, you know, I mean, I've been in an awful lot of fucking robots, you know, and, and each one has had its own kind of vibe to it, you know. That's a lot of bands, holy Toledo. You know, lip gloss, no lip gloss, you know, whatever, you know, but many different incarnations. That's for Look sure. who you are now. Look at the, 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 the information and the wisdom you can bring to your radio show. Yes. Talk to anybody about any subject and just go yeah. with it. No minutiae. You just go with the flow like water. You know, sure, like Bruce Lee, baby. Yeah, it's but, totally you know, just yeah. no walls. I was just—I had a fantastic education in that. You know, I—I I, I didn't have a mother or father. I, I never knew them. But I, my father was the marquee, and he—I got had a title, and I had this education in these public schools, these boarding schools, in which I stayed for eight for eight years. You know, without going uh, home. Yeah, I stayed in these schools. They, you know, because my father was. Um, in prison for embezzlement and my mother was a schizophrenic and was in you know a place for that and so I never saw them I never and then when I was 16 in the school and and I was meant to go to 18 I said I, I cannot do this anymore and I, I went to London it was in Derbyshire and I I got a to sell with love within two weeks I was into sell with love with the most noble humble beautiful man i've ever known and to this day it's all about sydney poitier you know i mean he was the man and, the man he was a man and i so i had a, a, a lesson there that was a blessing and a lesson at the same, same time and it really it stayed with me 
you know, you work hard, you learn those lines and you don't fake anything. And I, and I think that that really taught me so much. Well, it's interesting that you, you did that and you, you took something good from me. I mean, you did have the, the drug years, but that was everybody. But yeah. you, you had, but, but, but if we're looking at your life as a piece and you know, I can look back at mine the same way, with your parental struggles, you could have just gone down and blown up in your 20s. You yeah. actually have learned from all that. You become better. You've actually used it to become a better person. Yes. Whereas yes. there's really two ways to go. Usually it's just the arc is really big on those kind of, you know, childhoods, either you can even look around, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you I went do. High. I do. I, I, I found it actually, it, it, it made me what I am today, you know, and, and, uh, to get through some all of that emotional stuff, you know, there's still stuff I deal with emotionally about, you know, growing up without a parent, you know, um, that was heavy, man, you know, and, and also it taught me something. When I was in these schools, these dreadful elitist, you know, upper class Brits, dreadful. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think Prince Andrew is the... Uh, you know, the classic example of what we're yes. discussing here, you know, the, the the entitlement of it all. And I was so appalled by that, Sean. I just wanted to be in the streets. And it, and it made me understand that the streets were something to be, to yeah. go to, you know, be on the street. It had a, it, it was a, an adventurous a sentence. And I wanted to be on the streets. And really, you know, I'm carrying around a title and pretending to be like a cockney. And then I suddenly I, I realized, just be whatever it is that's happening. And in tandem with that was 60s London. Brian Jones is around the corner. You, you imagine that? Your own you control your own destiny. That's I go to school with Mitch Mitchell, drama school. And he says, come on, let's go down this club. It's this black geese, he's left-handed. He's really talented. You should come down and see him. Fucking Hendrix. And I go down there, the front row is Clapton, Townsend, Jeff, Beck, everybody's in there. And the next day they all go out and get perms. You know, <laughs> Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, you're living in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a vibe of absolute utter velvet rock and roll, you know, in high heels, high heel boots, velvet, and, and a bit of eye makeup and a lot of hashish. And I, and I went from the British, all of this, and then suddenly you're like, huh? You know, and it was a, an equation that uh, nobody could have possibly gotten through with without realizing that life is meant to be enjoyed. <laughs> you know, I think you got to enjoy the decadence, and then you got to enjoy the rest of the, on the up note, too. I think you got, you get the best of both worlds. You got, you know, you had a leg on each side of the fence. Yeah. Out. Yeah, yep. it's a very colorful uh, fence. You, you got to enjoy rock and roll and the decadence, and then you got to live and continue to live it so healthy and, and continue on in music with a new perspective, fresh. Yeah. You know, Jimmy Page has really, too, gr grown enormously. I think he's, he's such a brilliant guy, and um, he's very happily married. And, and he's what he's done, I think, is really fantastic. A, he gave us the masses for De Detective, which is unheard of. And B, he really has, I think, made Zeppelin, um, people today can enjoy Led Zeppelin by his work, remastering, putting books out and photographs. So keeping that legacy alive has been what he's done and he's done it beautifully, unegoically, and really, I think, with great scholarly um, attention. And I think that that is pretty incredible. I mean, I, I was shocked when he, when I got these masters. You, you, just, you just decided you wanted to do that? There was no... I think it was a spiritual thing. I think it was really a magical, spiritual moment. And it certainly was for the band. They were overjoyed in ecstasy, burst into tears, one of them. And, um, you know, I am almost in tears now. But... Uh, yeah, it's a good gift, you know? It was, it was an amazing uh, thing for him to do. And we're very excited that people are going to be able to enjoy it. I do. Um, eight years ago yesterday... Uh, I was doing an internet inter interview with Marion Williamson, mm -hmm. who is a fascinating, you know, woman and metaphysician, as it were. And Maureen Van Zandt was listening in. And Andrew Lou Golden, who I adore and is mm -hmm. a very significant figure, as you guys know, you know, at 19, he managed the Rolling Stones. And he's an, an incredible man. He was working with Little Stephen at Little Stephen's Underground Garage. And he uh, and, and Stevie, they decided that Andrew would 
do something else. So that spot was open. Maureen saw me interview this uh, incredible woman and uh, whispered in Stevie's ear. And Stevie called me and said, would you fill in for Andrew for a couple of weeks? You know, the couple of weeks, those couple of weeks that change your fucking life, you know, and and it did change my life in, in every way. Um, and after those two weeks, I got the gig and I've been doing it every single day for the last eight years. I never take a vacation, you know. I mean, I'll take a few days here and there. We'll go somewhere, you know, we'll fly and we'll be there for a few days. And then we'll come back and I go back on this mic and I talk to the people and um, and play this music. And and it's great because yesterday was the anniversary, eighth year, and he, he sends me a text saying, Destiny, your entire life was doing research to be on the radio. I was just getting ready to say that. I was, was going to end that. Yeah. Everything you do ties into radio. I mean, everything. To the everything. comments, to the artists. Because you've touched everything. You've, like, where does, well, you radio, performance, both sides of it, sober, not sober. Like, you've touched everything. You've been there through all the big things, the small things. The dirt, you know. My ambition is to uh, in, interview Alf. Yeah, maybe I'm going to be. I'm going to do it before you, Sean. I see. That would be the best. I would love to see him come back. He's that would be hilarious. That's what he, we need right now. I think that's literally what 2020 needs right now. I agree. We need something funny. Oh, I mean, everything ridiculous. He's like a giant ham. It's just ridiculously funny. You know, and it's so it, stupid. On that tip, you know, all of these these uh, TV series are always about these absolutely insane youngins. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's how they see it. You know, and, and it's an amazing. I mean, television has never been better. Uh, you know, except for the glory days of Seinfeld and all of that. But on a whole other level of this of this tremendous thing that we face, this devilment, this dreadful pandemic thing. And now Putin, I mean, Jesus, you know, it's it's, it's tough times. You've got to really stay, you guys, it's really disciplined. Eat well, drink lots of water, love yourself enough to be loved. Be cool, be kind and be courageous. You'll be okay.